So back in October 30th, 1938, that was the date. It was a Halloween episode of a series, a radio series, in which they uh, broadcast War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. And it was actually so realistic, I guess. I, I don't know how exactly, if they were presenting it just like reading from the book, but people were actually afraid that the Earth was being invaded by Martians. Isn't isn't that a myth that there was widespread hysteria? Like people were a little worried, but they knew it was a prank. Well, but then they recreated it in Mexico, and it was not thought to be a prank in that case because they didn't give it the proper context when they presented it. I mean, you know what else wasn't a prank was when this episode aired on December twentieth, nineteen sixty nine. People actually thought that um, there was a ghost with a uh, with a sc- an alien. An alien. Actually, you know what? I, I thought an alien. I They say ghosts constantly. They do say ghosts constantly. They You know what they never say? They never say the spooky space kook. Ah, oh, I know. It's never, it's never said anywhere in there. And it's like, I granted, I get that we don't see him actually kook anything. but we So we assume from the title he's a chef. But it, we do want to hear them say that in the episode, right? It's it just it's such like a throwaway description that like Velma or Daphne or Shaggy or Fred just oh it's a spooky space kook cut to commercial now like zoom in on their scared face as we fade to commercial. Um, but it's I wonder how many of these titles were come up came up at long after the fact after like oh wait we never really named the villain what do we name the episode because in a night of fright is no delight. What are those? They're the phantoms, right? Uh, yes. Two green phantoms. You were right. Yeah, they call them the phantoms, and then that's what they're called throughout. But in this, they can't even come up with one moniker that sticks. It's true. They just keep calling it. And that maybe that's why I was confused as to what this this spooky space cook is. Um, but it's, I think we've said before, we'll reveal it now, the coolest villain we've seen yet in Scooby-Doo. It's so cool. So, so cool. cool. We just want to hang and out with you, space kook. When we talk about who we are, thinking about oh, yeah. this particular uh, villain, we are the, the Scooby kooky dudes. dudes. Excuse me, we're the, the Scooby dudes. dudes. We're the kooky dudes. The Scooby kooks. The Scooby kooks. Is that, first of all, let's get this out of the way before we even say who we are. Kook is not a slur, I don't think. Well, I, I, said, I said something earlier before we started recording. <laughs> I accidentally said, we were talking about Overwatch, I accidentally said quiff play. <laughs> Quiff, also not a bad word. It's not a bad word. It doesn't refer to anything. Now, let me see. Uh, let me see. Uh, okay, uh, your wife is in the room, yes? We're talking about some quiff play in Overwatch. It, it just makes me think of that one um, college humor sketch. I don't know that one. They, they had a few. Oh, it's it's Mike Trapp and another guy. And they, they go, they're taken in by HR. And they start going and talking about like all of these words that are technically not slurs. And the only one I distinctly remember is the word niggardly, because it's of it's of no actual relation to the to the you know. The but slur. really, you know what you're doing when you say niggardly, so don't. No one should ever no one say should. that. Just word. let it drop from from use. Let it fade to the point where it might as well. Yeah, whatever. But here, here's what I'm getting at: kook, American slang. See, kooky, kooky. Uh, American English, originator, originally teenager or beatnik slang, possibly a shortening of cuckoo, like kookiness or kookily. So I think we're fine to use that throughout this episode. I think if we're thinking of kook as in like kook as in like eccentric, yeah. as opposed to like mentally ill, 
we are in the clear. Okay, so that's how we're going to think about it. We have an eccentric villain in this episode who, who yeah, suffers from mental illnesses and uh, has been institutionalized a few times. Oh, okay, uh, okay, he can't okay. get a job because people are always So <laughs> the person that I want to stop talking is Luke. My name is Evan. This is a podcast very obviously we're I two hope, best about Scooby Doo. So, we're here to we're talk. T- we're here to interrupt each other about our favorite meddling kids, and their dumb dog too, whose name is Scooby Doo. We are doing, as we've said, the Spooky Space Crew. It's an episode, uh, the fifteenth episode of Scooby Doo. Where are you? And before we dive in, before you listen to our excellent theme song, Luke, do you have a synopsis for us? I do indeed have a synopsis for us. Here, I'll make it real quick. Um, the basic synopsis is the gang runs out of gas many miles from a gas station and meet a frightened farmer. They quickly learn that there is a ghostly craft from another world moving across the sky like an evil spirit. The gang follows a dope-as-heck UFO to an abandoned airfield, which among other things contains glowing footprints, warm generators, yesterday's newspaper, and food. If you like to hear, if you like your villains cool and you think Freddy is a straight up side of beef and you want to hear him admit it out loud, this is the episode for you. Yeah, listeners, Evan, Evan smacked his lips and is, is nodding like, okay, not like, yeah, but like, all right, you know, I can't, I'm not going to say no to that. No, no, it's good. It's good. I you know some, some, some qualms, some quibbles, some, some quiffs. There's some good references. I think, I think not as concise as, as last, last week's was much more concise. I got more listy here. I, I was listing uh, from side to side. I, my favorite part, and I think, you, you know me, I, I proofread for a living. Mm-hmm. I'm an editor. I like, I liked. My favorite part was the list where you're like, if you like, um, your villain's cool, your generator's warm. Ooh. To me, that's the peak of this little. That, that wasn't what I, I, that wasn't how I said it. But let's say that's how I said it. If you like your <laughs> villain's cool and your generator's warm, I'm just, I'm just here to punch up. Yeah, thanks for punching up right before the intro, man. Right before the theme song. <laughs> Oh, no, that's good. All right, and I think we're good to go into the episode anytime. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. So it has taken us a long time to get through this, but I think for fans of Scooby-Doo, the space kook it has one of the most iconic designs. That's definitely what my big thought going into this episode is. This is the space kook episode. Maybe we should start out by talking about what this iconic villain looks like. I, In my mind, I have two, com- two comparisons, and I think they're very strong. Oh, lay it on me. And I think that they're maybe um, well known to a portion of our presumed audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is threadless t-shirts. There was this one threadless t-shirt that was that was a riff on Pac-Man. Ah, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean, where he's haunted by the ghosts of his other... Okay, no, laid out, yeah. Basically, um, this is them, I guess, just saying like, oh, what if Pac-Man was like a real gritty or real-life sort of situation? So it's a man in a yellow um, astronaut suit, spacesuit, which kind of with, with his visor... And the roundness of the helmet sort of making that Pac-Man mouth. And there's like a big pin on the side that looks like Pac-Man's eye. It's, it works really well as a visual take. And then there are pills sort of scattered on the ground because those are the pills that Pac-Man is eating. Next to a box that says anti-anxiety in this case. And then um, sort of haunting him because he's on the ground. He's sort of like, like ah, 
uh, afraid, frightened, um, are four differently colored other astronauts, but these astronauts are ghosts, and they have skulls for faces. And they're like one of them is pointing at him judgmentally, like he did something. Like it, it really does a great job of telling a story briefly based on existing media. It's kind of a survivor's guilt. That's what's always been my interpretation of yeah. it. Yeah, and the ghosts, I think, to your point, look remarkably like the spooky space kook. There's okay. There's really something about. And sorry, let me throw out my other comparison, which you I know will get immediately. It's the the NASA guest from um, the Adventures of Doctor McNinja. Yes, I do know that. And I think I think there's something so simple. Here's the thing. Even though astronauts have sort of fallen out of favor in the public eye, people, you know, we're not sending a lot of astronauts. Have they? I, I think a little bit. I, I, I don't know, like maybe falling out of view in the public eye, but falling out of favor makes it sound like they're like cops. Like it's not great to be an astronaut <laughs> right now. And you know, you're right. And like Chris Hadfield is Canadian and that dude is actually pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That dude is really cool. I like Chris Hatfield. I, what, what I was really trying to get to is just the fact that, like, I don't think most kids are like, oh, I want to be an astronaut. Today, not anymore. You know what? You're right. I think most kids did want that when we were growing up. And even though the public does not, I think you, you were correct in criticizing sort of how I was framing that, even though the public does not revile astronauts, the public, I don't think, I don't think they get as excited as they used to. It's not like, ooh, like, yeah. the astronaut... Um, Halloween costume is not flying off the shelves. Oh yeah, here you know I'll I'll make a slight adjustment. It's taken me five minutes to say what I should have said from the start. I wouldn't say they've fallen out of favor, but they've fallen out of fashion. It, yes, that is perfect. But there is something that's like retro cool about. Yeah, but Evan and I are here. We're like arguing for the three-piece suit. It never falls out of fashion. Like astronauts are always going to be cool. Especially like the classic astronaut spacesuit, which is what we're really heading the, towards here. The, it, it's bulky. It's it's not it's not streamlined. It's not like Interstellar, you know, no, where you everything know they're a little bit where more every, every in movies everything looks like Iron Man armor, and that's not what it should be. It should be like it's cloth. It's like several layers. It's you can it's tactile, and that's what this is. And you've got that like real bubble, that fishbowl helmet. This the space kook is just an astronaut with a skull for a face. Oh, dang, we just described it. <laughs> it's like 10 minutes of preamble, astronaut with a skull for a face. I will say, the skull exists in this inky blackness of the helmet, almost like a deep-sea diver ghost might look. Um, I, I'm always making comparisons to Mike Mignola's work and Frank Miller because I love their use of black, but I think that sharp contrast is kind of present here. We see a little bit of that with the skull. So, And two last things, because like the episode opens up, with this very sick spaceship flying through the Dude, air. Dude, this spaceship is so cool! It's, I want to liken it to, like, a shuttlecock, like, or a birdie in badminton. That is the most accurate and least cool thing you could say. Like, it, if you can, Sorry, listeners... Sorry, would it, would it have been cooler if I had said birdie before shuttlecock? Birdie or... before shuttlecock. <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't say, like, shuff, shuttle quick or quiff or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Shuttlecough. Um... Like, if you can, listeners, if you can make that leap, imagine a shuttlecock that's a really, really freaking cool spaceship that's also a little dilapidated. It is, and I think that really adds to it. It does. It makes it, it's kind of like coming upon an ancient civilization that's fallen to a bit of ruin. Like, that. those ruinous qualities um, make you wonder what happened to it. It speaks a little bit of the story and the world building. This is just so cool. And it's not even like this spaceship is flying over a couple of teens who are out gallivanting on the town. This is one of those openings that's completely devoid of anybody except the villain. 
that so the cold open and here's the thing we're not even 30 seconds into this episode we're just but we've really been talking about the space kook we're gonna ignore everything else that happens or is said just this is a space kook episode two last things i want to say about the space kook and then we can dive into the episode proper for one he has this like waddle kind of, like the, the way he <laughs> you're not walks doing you're doing like a shoulder shimmy I'm, I'm sure like, you are gonna bit. seduce the living panties off of whoever you're walking towards how would you describe the way that the the space kook walks i had no notes on the way he walks so all i've got is your shoulder shimmy that you're doing Watch at me right, right now. now let me do that right now give me a sec dude uh i'm gonna go to the very the opening of the episode right (laughs) yeah you got it man you've got that down dude i hope you do those moves at the club tonight also i hope you go to the club tonight he reminds me of the tin man in the wizard of oz where like his shoulders go one way and his hips go the other way side to side you know what i mean like he's trying to be robotic a little bit but i i perhaps couldn't see that past hearing all of his cackles which were perhaps the least cool thing about him i'm so glad this is gonna be the the final pin that we put in this before we move on to the, the episode. final pin in this tiny little coffin. When you think about this character design, and, and I like to think that we've sort of created a pretty compelling word picture in the heads of our listeners. What do you envision that sounding like? More, more ghoulish, may, maybe, right? Like more ghoulish or haunting, or like something that's maybe like distant, like it's in space, or like some howling void of something. I was not expecting like a children's show cackling, like giggle. A, a hyena is what hyena. I likened it to. Yeah, very just high pitched. Let me. I, uh, I don't want to do it. Are you gonna? Do I'm it? gonna do it in a sec. I don't want to, but I. Also, let me say, when he laughs, his helmet lights up like that inky blackness becomes a vibrant, vivid, bright orange. Exactly when he's laughing, almost like audio levels, like bumping up and down. It's like, he's like a Japanese schoolgirl. That's what I meant. (laughs) For our listeners, Luke is demurely covering his mouth with the tips of his fingers. I couldn't even help it. I didn't even mean to. Um, uh, it's th- that's the only uncool part of him, and that's the space kook. And I guess we've got an episode that's built around him. Should we talk about that even, or have we? Are, we're done. I guess. <laughs> I, 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 I guess. guess. Let's cut to the uh, gang. The gang needs to break down in the mystery machine, as ever. They're in the mystery machine, which, as we all know, is bigger on the inside than the outside. Always, and, and is super well stocked as as food goes. Shaggy's asking if anyone wants a sandwich fred says no what surely no fred must want a sandwich who doesn't love one of shaggy's jaw stretcher specials <laughs> oh well, yeah and then scooby scooby does something so shaggy's putting all these ingredients on and this is something mm. that i think is semi-iconic to scooby-doo which is to say that it's something he used to do a lot it doesn't seem out of place in present-day scooby-doo but it hasn't been consistently carried on, which is Scooby's like, hmm, yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I also had a note on that where he's like, Shaggy, Shaggy's making one of his jaw stretcher specials, and he's like throwing on, you know, every little thing you could. He's sweet, savory, chocolate, fish, whatever it is. And after each thing, he's like, how about some chocolate, Scooby? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love it. I also love that when he's putting the final thing on, he's like, and a big helping of chocolate. It's like, right, Scooby? And Scooby's like, 
Scooby remembers that he's a dog and he can't eat chocolate. <laughs> yeah, something in the back of his mind, but then he's like, uh, no, but the sweet embrace of death, I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of those, I just realized, that's one of those things where, like, Scooby is, a I dog. guess, biologically a, a dog. Cannot have chocolate. You know, I'm going to cut ahead to another part in this episode I don't want to miss where Scooby again acts like a dog. Shaggy is like got all these peanuts he pours into his hand and he uh, is going to like eat them. But Scooby uh, knocks Shaggy's hand upwards with his head to like make Shaggy drop oh. all the peanuts. And that's a very, it's a tiny moment, but I want to spotlight it because it's odd to see Sha Scooby use his head like a dog would. Instead of his paws. For a dog, their head is really their primary tool. It's like our hands. And it's interesting, it, we, Scooby hasn't been anthropomorphized to the degree that he is later on in the show, in this episode. Um, but yeah, Scooby is also gonna eat that sandwich. He will die. Um, the gang will adopt a new dog they named Scooby for the next episode. That's canon. So this, I mean, you're right, is that the Mystery Machine breaks down a lot. The last time I can remember it happening on our show was the Haunted Showboat. Mm, that's true. But here, let me say, the Mystery Machine doesn't actually break down. Fred just looks at the gas and he's like, oh, we're out of gas. And he doesn't apologize. Nobody's like, Fred, do you want to check the gas next time before we go drive around in the middle of nowhere? Nope. Yeah, it's your Mystery Machine. Mystery to me. This is a Mystery Machine. This is such a classic horror movie setup. Mm. They, they, you know, they break down next to a farm. They talk to the farmer, and the farmer lays down a little exposition for us. Yeah, honestly, and and like it's really creepy. And and this is going to be a little bit harder to describe for our listeners. Just go to our website, ScoobyDudes.com, where I will take screenshots. But it's gorgeous. This episode had some of the best background art I think we've seen yet. This is reminiscent of uh, Beeline from a Feline, uh, Scarab Lives. Um, in terms of they really it's these lush lived in environments uh lovingly rendered lovingly it's just, rendered it's, it really is gorgeous just the backgrounds and so it is this really um gloomy sort not not depressing per se but like uh bleak oh, bleak a little bit bleak it's, yeah no i say it feels dark and i want to even say a little bit wet like it's a foggy day and you can kind of feel that that moistness um but moving quickly along, um, we talk to the farmer, and he they're like, oh, we ran out of gas. We need some gas. And he's like, I don't believe you. Um, although I'll note, at the end of this exchange, he apparently gives them gas. <laughs> he also, he menaces them with a shotgun. And I was wondering if that would still fly in the year of our Lord 2018. Look, I'll say his trigger discipline does not fly in the year of our Lord 2018. He, at several points, is just idly pointing that gun at Shaggy's leg or at Scooby with, like, his hand on the... It's it's not safe gun control. Uh, this guy, he believes they're reporters, um, which I guess at, at one point, in one series, they will pretend to be reporters constantly. Here, they're just kids, and apparently reporters have been, and I quote, running me ragged ever since it showed up yep and he's the person who says my, my premise was directly quoted from him a ghostly craft from another world moving across the sky like an evil spirit he doesn't sound like that but he could have for all you know <laughs> <laughs> uh the gang then notices glowing footprints on the ground and this farmer is so jaded he's just like yeah like glowing, glowing footprints oh, i see those all I... the time ain't nothing much look at my chicken there's a there's a chicken gag with Scooby where the chicken 
um, sees a worm and tries to snatch at it, but grabs Scooby's tail, a.k.a. the jaw stretcher special. Um, and then Scooby, <laughs> Scooby yelps, it's just a chicken. That's a classic gag. Um, so the gang notices these glowing footprints that are kind of oddly shaped as well. It doesn't look like normal footprints, and they also fade pretty quickly. And from there, the gang decides to go investigate an abandoned airfield. Um, no, wait, no, the gang is driving away. The gang has got the gas from the kindly farmer. They're driving away. I love this moment where we're seeing the mystery machine, and then we just kind of see this ghostly glow on the roof of the vehicle. It's it's subtle. It's subtle, yeah. and it really it draws our attention upwards to that shuttlecock-like... I hate that we're calling it a shuttlecock, even though it's a very accurate comparison, because it looks so cool. It's so... Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, once they've gotten the gas, they're not going to head home. They, they have... I, I assume it's not very much gas, because the farmer seems kind of surly. Miserly, but yeah. Fred is like, now that we have gas, now that we're on our way, what we're going to do is we're going to find out where this um this ghost is and we're gonna i guess solve the mystery it's more like we're just gonna go to where this thing is honestly yeah it's more like let's go to the the main destination for this episode the locale is an abandoned airfield that's where we're gonna spend the bulk of our time so what they do is they see that they're like oh we're in luck it landed behind that hill they look behind the hill um it is an abandoned airfield and they follow these spooky glowing tracks into uh into said airfield they do and now now that we're at one particular setting for the rest of the episode the action is tough for me to follow because i get i forget when what happened they, i want so they see the space kook velma so close it so far calls it an uh the outer space ghost that that was that was what it was outer space ghost made me think it was an alien even though it's like well the thing is it's not a human aircraft and the it, that's the thing that's tough yeah it's it's appears to be a dead astronaut an astronaut ghost but the aircraft is not a traditional space shuttle two two things i would have liked to see from this episode and before we start recording you kind of said they don't completely have their formula down pat yet we don't really have any mythos around this ghost like i'd love to have a little more speculation he went up in a secret air like space mission and uh the government disavowed him i don't know something um, and I would have liked to see more characters because that farmer is the only other person we meet till the end of the episode. Uh, that is like one we, of our greatest our criticisms. Yeah, we of, want to have some red herring so we can wonder who the villain is. It's a bad mystery if you could not yourself figure out the, uh, the culprit. We, we've gotten all the characters we're going to get till the end of the episode. We're here at the abandoned airfield. I think pretty early on we split up to look for the kook. Is that right? You're... you're a hundred percent right in saying that as soon as they get to the airfield the action is all over the place it's a lot of just cutting back and forth um i can run through things in chronological order if you want to comment please just take please me through it. and i'm gonna i'm gonna forfeit the reins so um they follow these spooky tracks they find a shack or of some sort because it's an abandoned air airfield right they're um, hangers and, and buildings all over the place. And, and to your point earlier, there's so many cool background items. Like, there's something in the background of every single scene that's pretty interesting to look at. There's a lot of, like, um, decrepit, dilapidated aircraft. Yeah, it, feel, it feels pretty real. Uh, they find a generator that's still warm. And, and this starts off this whole trend where they are, throughout this entire episode, finding stuff where it's like, huh, this shouldn't be like this. Hmm. 
okay, moving on. <laughs> it's it's almost yeah. They're like, why is this generator warm? Why would this you yeah. know? Evan, I've gotta. I hate to take us off track, but I gotta say, last night I played Dead by Daylight with our mutual friend Stu. Oh, Stu was telling me that he was playing Dead by Daylight. I played that with Stu, and uh, you know that's something we talked about previously on our podcast in our video game episode. We came up with the idea of a pitch for Dead by Daylight, yes. where you. Um, and at that point, I hadn't played the game at all, but where it's like Dead by Daylight with Scooby-Doo characters. The comparisons that could be made with this episode are remarkable. Oh, For the one generator. Thing, That's the what generator. You're... In Dead by Daylight, you're turning on the generators. For another thing, when the villain catches you in Dead by Daylight, what does he do? He puts, he you, puts, on puts you on a hook. Oh, yeah. wow. Also, the abandoned airfield is kind of like a setting from Dead by Daylight. It, it looks a lot like that. It, it really, really works. Oh, man. Listeners, go listen to that episode that we did. I'm actually very pr- proud of it. I thought it was a very good episode. I thought it was a great... I also just love coming up with like pitches for ideas for stuff like that with you. Anyways, I mentioned that here so I don't have to mention it again. There's some some real parallels to be made there. Um, but to your point, yeah, they're, they're splitting up and they're just kind of going from spot to spot in this abandoned airfield, finding something odd, like a warm generator or that is has apparently fresh oil on it. Or like a well-stocked pantry. I'll continue to, to go through and try to hit all of these. Keep taking us but through it, yeah. Here's one thing that the two of us can definitely discuss. Scooby and Shaggy, there's this little peanuts gag, which you mentioned earlier. Um, Scooby knocks yeah. the peanuts into his mouth. Shaggy's like, okay, try to do that again. And he flings the peanuts. This time they're caught by the space kook. And the space kook... I like that the space kook just like holds out his hand and then the, the peanuts just land right in there. And why is he doing that too? Like, why does he want the peanuts? Is he just like, oh, I? This is one of those moments where I really wonder if the guy in the costume was like, oh, look at these teenagers throwing peanuts in my abandoned airfield. <laughs> Don't litter. He chases them into one of the many abandoned aircrafts, and Scooby and Shaggy they sit in the pilot and the co-pilot seat and they doff, Ooh. uh, what look like airline pilot hats. So not like military, uh, but like airline. Yeah, pilot, pilot hats. hats. I think you're and right. And the kook is behind mm-hmm. them. And what they do is, what they don't enact a Scooby Doop. No, and I thought they were gonna like when Shaggy's like co-pilot, pull the. Uh, I thought he was gonna say seat ejectors, right? He he says to, it's it's a, a something about a, a raft, a life raft. Instead, he says the life raft, which was remarkably not a giant rubber duck. As I, I expected. honestly also half expected I it. Thought even as it was coming up orange, I was like, this is gonna be a giant rubber duck. And then we've got, I think, the coolest physics gag of the episode. Well, can you tell us what the Scooby-Doop is? Oh, the Scooby-Doop that we mentioned in passing is a gag typically enacted by Scooby and Shaggy used to get away from the monster and often to get one up on the monster while they're at it. Uh, Often the monster is chasing Scooby, Shaggy, and another few members of the gang. Those members of the gang will turn around and pretend that they're in a different social scenario. For instance, the example I always use, at a restaurant, and they treat the villain as if he is the... Um, patron of the restaurant and the social pressures of that gag of that quick scene change are so great that the monster must comply giving scooby shaggy and whoever else is present an opportunity to escape and to shame the monster so in this case you would think that since scooby and shaggy appear to have put on the guise of pilots they would get the monster to then buy into this as like sir you you can't be up here or or here's i think a fun little idea they're just like oh you're part of like the the young flyers program you know like you're in the cockpit you know sit down here here are all these buttons do you want to do you want to take us up to this altitude and then they pin they pin the little wings on his lapel 
and he feels so proud. He's like, "Oh, look at you! You're like and a he's, real and pilot." He's, and he's beaming. He's, like, he's glowing. You see his like his helmet light up. <laughs> so I'm playing off of what could have been. Like, do you have a a dupe that could have? Everything that came to mind was terror based. I... <laughs> um, I you know what? The only other I thing lie I to have. You. Say I what? also was, I won't lie to you, the whole cockpit scenario, a lot I, of... I want to say, I give you mad props for not even mentioning it, not even alluding to it. But here's something different that d- did just come to mind. Um, Scooby or Shaggy, pilot or co-pilot, pretends to pass out oh. or something, or choke on something, and then it's like, quick, you need to fly the plane. <laughs> and it's, and they, it's a stationary plane. It's a stationary plane, but maybe like... One of them is like slipped outside and is like doing like faking motion or something like throwing uh, or like shaking, shaking, shaking the, the plane or something like yeah exactly like that. I, I that's the only other thing I could. That think is of. also very good. It was a ripe moment for a Scooby Doop, which they bypass. Shaggy just tells Scooby to pull the life raft, which like expands right behind Scooby and Shaggy, kind of separating them from the villain, and then puts enough pressure on Scooby and Shaggy to press into the nose of the plane, into the cockpit, which also becomes transparent for a moment. Like, we can see yeah, them through like it. Like a full glass. For a second, I thought it was glass. full glass, which was kind of cool. And so we see them crunched in the nose, and then the life raft, like, shoots the nose out. And as physics gags go, I really like this one. I thought it was really enjoyable. So, uh, after that, let's see. I think Fred, Daphne, and Velma are in a greasy mechanic shop. And that's where they're like, oh, generator, maybe, or it happened somewhere else. And they're like, oh, fresh oil. That's a clue. Who knows Daphne what? is like classic girl. Like, let's get out of here. It's so greasy. And Fred's like, whoa, hold on, Daph. That's another clue. This is fresh grease. You said fresh the way you said fresh grease like your mouth disappeared behind your microphone and you did like the money hand motion this is fresh grease uh and then yeah and then somehow fred is hooked into the into the air i think this is the only moment we've ever seen fred with a belt on through his belt yes it's not through yeah. his clothing or his flesh it is just through his belt no damage done mm-hmm. and he says i feel like a side of beef that's how the scene ends. Like him crossing his arms, I feel like a side of beef. He's like really, really churlish about it. And then, um, as... Wait, so really quick, if I can touch on one other thing that happens right before that. When he goes up, he's like, can you guys find a button to get me down from here? And I don't know if it's Velma or Daphne that says, what does it look like? But And then Fred responds, Velma, surely you can figure it out. And I want to know if he's ignoring Daphne when he says that. Like, he's just like, Daphne's like, I don't know where it is. And he's like, ugh, Velma, you can figure it out. Or if he's just talking down to Velma, like, aren't you supposed to be smart? I think that is what he's doing. I think that Velma is the intelligent, you know, has proven to be the most intelligent one. Velma responds, mechanics aren't my cup of tea, Freddy. And then he's like, ugh, go get Scooby and Shaggy. Man. And that is the, the even a wilder thing. He's like, Scooby and Sh- how, Fred, you know them. They're not going to help. Especially since Scooby and Shaggy are very uh, dumb in a lot of these. And in this episode especially, I think they they do some things that are like sort of um, are evidence of uh, mm. a lower intelligence. <laughs> the, the characters are a little all over the place. Like they haven't really concretized as, in a way that we'll see in the future. And that like the rest of the gang is still depending on Scooby and Shaggy to help in some way. Like they're going to look for them. When <laughs> I look away, I look back, and that expression. Evan's got like that super tight lip, wide mouth look, and then bug eyes at me. <laughs> I, listeners, I'm not sure if I'm sorry or you're welcome for all the gags that, you, that Evan and I do visually. 
and, and then we get more of that back and forth between Fred Daphne and Velma and Scooby and Shaggy that I didn't follow. So um, this seems a little out of place for me, but I guess whatever. I In my mind, sh- um, Shaggy knows every possible English language term for a place where food might be served. Hmm. That's just my headcanon. That's just my perception. That's interesting. So he can go anywhere in the English-speaking world and make his way to the food. Lo- to, to the food. And and in fact, I you know, in my mind, those are the only foreign language words that he understands. No, probably that's the extent. He owns an extensive library of English to other language dictionaries, and he only looks up like words for kitchen. So, in this case, uh, Scooby and Shaggy come upon a mess hall which I knew refers to what is a cafeteria for the military. And that makes sense because this is an mil- abandoned military airbase. Um, Scooby and Shaggy like are looking for food. Shaggy's like, show me if you find any food, Scooby. Scooby finds like a rotisserie chicken, puts it in his mouth, pulls out the skeleton, says nothing to Shaggy. Now Shaggy's like, remember, Scooby, if you find anything, tell me. Scooby finds like a whole side of ham. He puts that in his mouth, pulls out the bone, says nothing. The way you're describing the action is perfect because yeah shaggy actually you're not you're not even exaggerating shaggy's even like hey scoob did you find anything no and i i didn't like it i was actually it made me it made me resent scooby it i i actually was angry at scooby here there were a couple of points where i feel like his and shaggy's relationship hasn't fully concretized he hasn't fully made it um and when Shaggy walks over, he's like, wow, look at all these bones. That's weird. He doesn't even assume that Scooby ate it. He's just like, oh, I guess there's bones here. Doesn't he? I thought I He thought does, that I he think, had... figure it out. But at first he's like, what? And then no, Sco- you know what? No, Scooby's like, well, we got this olive. He, he does give Shaggy like one olive and only because Shaggy walks up at that moment. Um, but then Shaggy, I don't know if this is characteristic or not. Actually, this supersedes his anger. He's like... Well, in the moment where we would see him getting angry, he instead observes a clue. He's like, yeah, the fact that there's fresh food on this military base is a clue. And again, all of these little things are are piling up. But I think the issue is that they're not... The vast majority of these clues are not explicitly tied into the ghost. I think in, uh, in past episodes, or I guess in this case, in future episodes of Scooby-Doo... <laughs> The clues yeah. have to do with how the ghost is, like, flying or how the ghost is appearing in different places or, do you, you know what I mean? Or, like, how right, the ghost... Right, like, at some point, we'd find a clue about how his shoes glow. It's like, oh, there's this weird glowing paint here. Like, it's really easy connections. Here, I would say, I do think they make a... a con- well, he's like, well, a space kook wouldn't need real food, but it doesn't really tell us anything about how the space kook's doing what he's doing. Yeah, almost across the board, these are clues that just are basically saying this this person is alive yeah exactly it's like they go into the bathroom and they're like huh looks like the water bowl on this toilet's filled with fresh water it's been flushed recently a space kook wouldn't need to vacate his bowels on a regular basis <laughs> it's like okay well come on there's other more interesting things that he's doing than pooping no, well that, and that's what i mean yeah. I, I i would like it my preference is when the clues tie into like how does this spacecraft fly which yeah I don't think they ever touch on it. I do not think... I think, ultimately, I'll say it now, it's a projector. I think they say that it's just a projector image. Um, and they do, and they they at one point find a loudspeaker system that we will find uh, serve to create the eerie sounds that often accompany the space kook in his, his vehicle. And that, the sounds, I want to say, 
were very eerie. It reminded me of Silent Hill, like there were these kind of musical, mechanical, grotesquely discord, uh, mm, discordant yeah. um, s- noises that sustained for a pretty good t- amount of time when we first introduced them. So th- it's like a great villain, but not everything around the villain is great. Kind of also similar to Silent Hill, Fred finds a newspaper in a barrel. That seems to me like Ooh. a Silent Hill kind of thing. That does seem <laughs> like a Silent Hill kind of thing. You're right. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, also, the newspaper, did you look hard at that? Or like, did you have any thoughts on it? So it has glowing fingerprints on it. I think, I believe it only has one headline, re, like legible headline on it. The funny thing to me is that the legible headline was one of the much smaller pieces of text. And all like the big text was just nonsense. At it's first, not I thought, even like, lorem ipsum. It is just scribbles. At first, I thought it was straight up Arabic text because it's that like not even trying to look like English it's just, it, it's an odd news. It made me want to create, like, a Facebook group or, like, post series that's just, like, headlines from Coolsville of, like, breaking news and then a newspaper that you can't read. Um, <laughs> um, I did like it, but I did feel like that was one of our clues. I don't even remember what the newspaper said. Um, it says, mysterious ghost craft found abandoned near airfield, and there are glowing fingerprints on it. And also, that article has been circled. Yeah, and you know, by the end of it, we haven't figured out why the villain apparently likes reading about himself. Like, this is the one article that he does not need to read about. And, and again, all this article is doing is showing that, like, oh, maybe this is a real guy. It's not, it's... Or, or like, maybe, or it ultimately shows us this guy has glowing fingerprints, but it's like, we already know he had, know he had glowing, like, shoes. And I guess, yeah, it doesn't really tell us anything too interesting about the space kook, who is, on the surface, the most interesting villain we've seen yet. There are a lot of fun little gags right right up in this next scene, which is that Scooby and Shaggy are being chased by the space kook. They find a building, they enter it, they lock the door, and then Shaggy's like, all right, Scoob, uh, put this key in a safe place, and Scooby throws the key just out the window. And in my mind, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, well... The ghost is going to come over, pick up the key, open the door. But he does not. He is already in the building. Um, Scooby and Shaggy are like, oh, shoot, there's another door. So there are doors on opposite sides. They push a desk in front of it. And then, and I do think this is quite funny, this ghost, the space opens the door and it opens the other way. <laughs> I miss that. That's such a good, good subtle gag that he just pulls it back from the desk and then i think he just like walks into the desk and pushes it forward yeah he pushes it in and then scooby and shaggy are like where's the key and i think this is great they then i thought this was amazing this is a great gag man they exit the wind they get out through the window grab the key go back inside and i i honestly wanted this to be extended they for a short moment shaggy sort of wrestles with getting the key into the into the lock yeah gets it in the lock opens it up then they get back outside also dead by daylight comparison you can jump through windows to get away Mm -hmm. from the villain and you can also like shove stuff in front of him to like slow him down oh wow um i i also thought that was the best gag of the episode i thought that was great i like i really wanted it to to be played out honestly i wanted it i wanted them to really um go in on how ridiculous it is kind of like scooby's outside of the house already and shaggy's like the key scoob the key and he like <laughs> and, I, and i wanted him to like push like half of his body out of the window so he's like, to, like almost entirely out and like, screeching 
And then he goes in and he's just like, he's like trying to jam the key in the lock and like this coop's getting closer and closer. I, I want them to like lock the door when they're on the outside and then throw the key inside the window <laughs> to get rid of it. <laughs> Truly, these little gags that could be extended could be half the episode and I'd be fine. Um, they find yet another clue. This time... It's a loudspeaker in the projector, right? Uh, right before they find a Jeep. And... Oh, yeah. This, this was is... the most nonsensical part of all. So, basically, they find a Jeep. Scoob smells gas, but they're like, this Jeep has flat tires. And then they look under, and I actually thought this was very, very cool. They look under, and there's another inner set of wheels that are not flat. This, first of all, this doesn't exist in real life. This space kook villain must be an auto-mechanical genius uh, to construct, like, a second set of functioning wheels on the inside undercarriage of this Jeep that doesn't look, isn't visible at all from the outside. And the gang also observes that this must be so it looks non-operational when it really is, as if there's a large amount of foot traffic coming through this. Here's, this... here's the biggest issue for me, is that after, after they've already discovered that this Jeep doesn't or is this jeep looks dilapidated but actually still runs then the jeep turns on and like drives away and then as it's passing like one of those uh canvas covered military transport vehicles we see the kook like peek out as if he's a performer and <laughs> peeking out on stage like shows himself and then he like jumps into the jeep i think as it's passing i guess it's also remote controlled here's the here's the thing so for all points and purposes this is a ghost jeep for the for the space kook right why did they why didn't we see the the why didn't we see the ghost jeep in action before they discovered the secret of the ghost jeep i think it's because it doesn't it doesn't tie in at all with the villain it's not like oh look there's a alien there's a spacecraft up there it doesn't look human and a jeep driving with flat tires that's also weird huh those tires look flat but it's going at a normal clip uh it's like and and i guess it's being driven by the person who should be in that spacecraft like it doesn't fit on any level it's disparate right yeah is it disparate or is it dat parrot it's disparate, isn't it? Oh. Sorry to take you to task on that. I'll, I'll cut that. Editing room Luke here. I'm less sorry in retrospect. Oh. <laughs> I honestly want to start recording videos so we can make some of these screenshots. I don't want anyone to see my face. That's nice of you. Um, the, there are these little hangers and they open up and there's uh, so many space kooks. There's a space kook in every tiny hanger. Is there really? It's just, just honestly, it's one shot, and they don't do anything with it. They're, they're, the gang is just like, ah, so many space kooks. I'd and miss that completely. Oh my because gosh. Because it, it doesn't last long, and it doesn't affect the episode. They never bring it back. That should have been the most terrifying part of the episode, where you're like, there's a fleet of space kooks. It's like that moment in Pompeii where we're like, there's a whole world that we weren't aware of. Uh, then, like you were commenting on before, Scooby and Shaggy go up a ladder. They find all of this radio stuff. I wanted them to do a fun riff on, like, Robin Williams' is, like, Good Morning Vietnam. Especially because Shaggy's at the radio, and I... Uh, Casey Kasem it's, it's Casey was Kasem. a former... Yeah. Yeah, former radio DJ. I also... There's a moment when he's on the radio. I don't know if you saw this, but Kay, but Shaggy looked so tired. <laughs> he looked exhausted. He looked, he looked he like... Looked like Casey Kasem had rolled out of bed at 3 a.m. to get ready for an early morning broadcast. He looked like in the office when something bad is happening in Michael Scott's life. And he just looks... <laughs> Steve Carell 
more than any actor I know, has the ability to look instantly weary. Steve Carell, you know, it's Michael getting lectured by Toby is the face that uh, you're the face that Shaggy's making correct. in this shot. Just like he he hates so much about the thing Toby chooses to be. Shaggy's so yeah, he's just tired. Shaggy's so tired of this. And and on the side, Scooby looks like Buddha peaceful. He looks like so contented. I yeah, I'll take I'll take a screenshot. Go to ScoobyDews.com. Check great. it out. Um. But yeah, they discover the the sound system, and I I guess they discover a projector because we presented at the end of the episode as well. Sure, sure. The space kooks, Shaggy and Scooby need to get down. Luckily, they find a parachute. Unluckily for them, uh, parachutes require a four hundred foot minimum height in order for them to properly deploy and um, fill up with air. So they They're shatter dead. their legs upon impact. This is the episode where I realized that not only is it a different Scooby that we see in later series, it's also a different Shaggy. They've made a new friend named Shaggy and got him to get the same haircut, give him the Did old outfits. Did you know that the new episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is going to have a different Greg? Different Greg. I read that. Um, I like the guy they're going to have replace Greg. But I read it and it's like, it's because the guy who had played Greg is too busy now. I'm Something like, Santino. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Like, what the f*** is he busy with? What is he doing? Yeah, what is he doing? You know, I think it's that the, the issue is that every person in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend also has a Broadway career. So, like, it's not oh, like shoot. it's not like he's getting snatched up by another TV show. It's like he's getting booked. He's got to do, like, five shows a week or however much is normal. Um, he, his songs are some of my favorites on that show. I, he's, Settle for Me is a really good song. He also has that drinking song me. that I think is hilarious. Yeah, it's really good. I also, I really liked his dramatic arcs in that show. I feel like they were really good and well-grounded. Yeah. For our listeners, go watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's a very, it's, very good it's show. amazing. It's so good. And uh, there's so much good stuff coming back right now. We got a good Oof. flood. Um, what happens next? Here's okay. Here's the thing that really, 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 really throws me, and this strangely has parallels to Pompeian circumstance. Because huh. on Pompeian circumstance, Alexandra calls the police in what we surmised was a way of covering her own. We we were traps. ultimately pretty sure that Alexandra was guilty, that she got off scot free, but not free in the in terms of conscience. I hope in this case. It is the farmer who gets worried because he sees the mystery machine on the side of the road, which, sure, that yeah. is a little suspect. He's the one who calls the sheriff. The sheriff shows up, and the sheriff's like, all right, it's about time we got to the bottom of this. And it's like, sheriff, derelict in your duties, you, I think. The newspaper's been publishing articles about this for ages. Um, presumably, like, this, people are coming to this airbase because otherwise, why would the space kook make a full fake set of wheels on a Jeep that he doesn't even use? Um, and at, at this point, this is a very unusual episode structure because the one character who we had reason to suspect is now shown not to be the villain, the farmer, the only person we've met, and the cop has shown up before we've caught the villain. Yeah. What the heck? What is going and, on? And I think it's the presence of the cop and this other, and this farmer that gets the kook to be like, oh, four kids and a dog I can deal with. But, but this, this spooks the kook. The kook is spooked. So he flies the coop. And he goes into a wind tunnel, which Fred says, oh, I think he made a real mistake going in there. Kind of odd that the space kook functionally lives here but doesn't know his way around. 
And and he like he goes into the wind tunnel and does he not close the door behind him? He does. He like closes it. I don't I don't know if he locks it or what, but then Fred the is gang... the one I believe who locks it, who like pulls yeah, the lever down. Which is like why even bother locking it? He's in there and it's a wind tunnel, he's not gonna be able to get back at the door. Then they turn it on, of course, and then the space cook is like <laughs> he's unmasked by the power of the wind. <laughs> Aang himself, the last airbender, unmasks the villain for us here. Oh man, that's much better than what, than what I was gonna go with. What were you gonna go, Captain? The Planet? Planeteer. But Planet- who who knows what any of the Planeteers' names are besides Mati? Mati. <laughs> I always liked the uh, the American redheaded uh, Planeteer who was a, a jerk and did not deserve to be there, like anyone else. You know that is white privilege in a nutshell is that somebody who was unmotivated, unintelligent, and like had a poor hold of his own emotions, but happened to be a white dude made it in the planeteers dude i really want to watch captain planet i might maybe later today because i'd forgotten that they went for that very 90s like um diversity diversity where it was like very like like i think the black kid was actually from some part of Africa he was actually had African, a little yeah. bit of a little bit of an accent though yeah, yeah, an African accent. Yeah, and the the blonde girl was um she was Swedish or something. I think because like yeah. she, her power was wind, and I feel like they did something with windmills or turbines in her home country. No, oh, it must be Holland because Holland has windmills, right? I think it's Holland. I think she was from Holland. I really remember she had that accent, and my redheaded American dude was way into her. Oh yeah, and then there was like, but I don't remember. If the Chinese girl had an accent, it was faint. She was American. She grew up uh, in the inner city in America. I remember because there was an episode where they went to the city where her mentor was murdered on the street. Excuse me? I've told you about this a few times, but no, I'm no, 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 always no. happy I... to tell you about this again. You'll remember it when I get to the end because they like are going here and they're like, there's a little bit of sustainability, but it was also a lot about Paul, like gang stuff. And she finds the guy that killed her mentor. And I kid you not... She is drowning him in a puddle. <laughs> she is using her powers to drown him in a puddle <laughs> until the rest of the gang pulls her off. And they're like, hey, no, I don't think your mentor would want you to, like, catch a murder charge, you know? <laughs> and so she stops, but I'll never forget that. The, okay, you know what? That does sound like something you told me Long back time in ago. high school. Um, but I'm always happy. I, listeners, tell us where that's from and send that to us. So, yeah, his, his, it's, he's, he's getting stripped it's not a sexy striptease. It is a striptease, but he's getting stripped by the wind tunnel. I, I don't know. I think it's your opinion on the uh, the space kook that makes it a sexy one or not. Also, the owner of the wind ring, the person who's uh, blowing his clothes off here is Linka, who is whose race, as <laughs> the Captain Planet in the Planeteers wiki tells us, is human slash Russian slash Soviet. <laughs> That's her race. Status Planeteer alive. Woof. Well, anyway, um, so yeah, he's like holding onto this ladder as the wind blows first his clothing off, I think. Like it really, it's... Sl- I, th- I think, I believe it's, it's his boots first. And then they're like, oh, he was wearing rubber boots, which is just like... Yeah, a lot of boots are made of rubber. <laughs> it's like, oh, and a flannel shirt. And look, then, his socks are cotton. And it's like, and then Fred has to be like, oh, he probably dipped his boots in phosphorus. But they haven't at They've any point. They've never shown us the phosphorus. So uh, it's it's so it's so frustrating. Like all the pieces it's, are here, but they're like. It's also frustrating. Why would you put them and at the end of the episode when we're doing the breakdown? I love that every gang member joins in, and Shaggy's like, yeah, and the food meant this, and Jumbo's like, yeah, and this meant that. Everyone's pitching in on this. It's not just 
Fred or Velma doing the breakdown, which really made me feel like everyone participated, but they're all breaking down stupid crap that's, like, not real. And the farmer is like, I know who it is. Henry ba- Henry Basco. Yeah, when the when the helmet flies off, he's like, "That's my next door neighbor." I was just like, "Okay." Who's always up at all hours, buying phosphorus and <laughs> dipping his clothes in it. <laughs> uh, apparently, the military—I just assume it was the military or the government—is going to start using this airbase again, and as a result, they're going to need more land. And as a result, um, Henry Bascombe is scaring away his neighbors so that he can buy their land for cheap. So that he can sell it to the military for a profit. Presumably so that he can sell it to the military for a profit. They never make that final connection. They're like, oh, the military's gonna need a lot of land, so he'll take the land from his neighbors. And I guess that was his plan. It's like, yeah, but he'll probably sell it to the military, right? Like, he's looking to flip that for a prof. It. And, like, does Henry Bascombe not still own his farm? Like, does he expect to only sell the farms of his neighbors and not his own farm? Everyone else's farm? Yeah. I mean, you could just kind of hold out. I don't think the government can eminent dona- domain that shiz for a military base. The point is... I'd be surprised. This mystery is bad. The villain is good. The mystery is bad. The gang is great and also really uneven. Like, just acts really inconsistently. I, I just feel like a lot of the time we're always like running through like, oh, here are all the things that the villain, blah, blah, blah. But like... One thing I want to say, one interesting tidbit. I don't know if you caught this. Do the words HP-192 mean anything to you, Evan? Oh, no. Because that's the police officer's license plate on the car that he pulls up with. It's time for another Luke deep dive. Let's see what HP-192 could mean. Uh, Of course, the first place I always go when I'm doing a deep dive on Scooby details is to the year, if we've got numbers involved. What is the year 192 AD, the year of our Lord? Well, this was the year right before the year of five emperors, as it's known in Roman history, Uh, also CXCII. That year 193 was the year in which there were five claimants to the (laughs) title of Roman emperor. I mean, you look like you just ate like five... Uh, lemons, and you're having a migraine, and ants are eating your skin <laughs> at the same time. So I take it this is a really good deep dive. Um, I love it. So 192, it's immediately precedes the year of the five emperors. Also, HP, HP Roman. What does that mean to you, Evan? Of course, HP Roman <laughs> is the character set introduced by Hewlett Packard for a font around 1978. 1978, huh? When did this episode come out? That's right, episode Evan. This episode came out no. 10 years before that font was released. Huh. Okay. All right. You know who you are? You're, um, <laughs> you're, uh, is it, is it Charlie Day in It's Always Sunny with, like, the... That is who I am. I've got my conspiracy theories. I'm smoking a pack every five minutes, and I'm, I run out of twine. And what is he? He has a binders, binders, binders full, full of Binders full of women was... Mitt, Mitt Romney's thing. No, no, it's the Always Sunny thing. He had the big. He, he had the the pin board with all the the. It's the mail. This mail is coming in for someone who doesn't exist. Oh, that might have been. I don't. It's been a long time. I haven't even dipped in on the new season. But I'll be honest. That's actually as far as my deep dive goes. I don't have anything. Sometimes I do actually come to an interesting uh, coincidence of details. But here, HP one ninety two one ninety three was the year of five emperors, and we have five gang members. And Hewlett Packard released a font called HP Roman. Two last things as we wrap up this episode mm-hmm. of Scooby Dudes. Uh, one of my favorite things about old Scooby Doo, because yeah, they were still trying to come 
together. They're just trying to figure out what Scooby-Doo is supposed to be. So they end this episode with everyone's favorite Scooby-Doo catchphrase. Oh, Scooby-Doo. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. Whenever they do an iteration that's not Scooby-Dooby-Doo, I'm just always like, huh. Weird. Not there yet. Um, so, Evan, I really want to return. I know we're running a little long, but I want to return to our feature that's very Wikia-based, where we go to the Scooby-Doo Wikia, and uh, we look at their notes, trivia, miscellaneous adaptions, animation mistakes, and or technical glitches, inconsistencies, continuity errors, and or goofs slash oddities. Your much more concise term for it is... Nitpicky Wiki. Nitpicky Wiki, which I really like. Um, there are an incredible number of nitpicky wiki bits here. Most of them, I think, pertain to the Space Kooks appearances in other Scooby-Doo-related media because I think it's a great reference. Uh, yeah, hit me up. I, I always love the assumptions that are made here. Like, apparently, all the livestock the farmer has is one chicken. <laughs> now, that's one line that's like, I... we don't know he doesn't have more. We don't. He doesn't give us a tour of his facilities. But the most bonkers part of that line is the fact that one chicken is a hyperlink. What do you mean? I mean, chicken, parentheses, spooky space kook, is a character who has their own page in the Scooby-Doo Wikia. Is, is, it, is there anything written on the page? Uh, we need to insert details here for physical appearance and personality, but under history, there's season one, while the gang and the farmer, the spooky space kook, got the chicken, which Shaggy Dude, do you want to fill in this wiki? Do you want to edit this wiki? N no, but what? why? <laughs> uh, personality, hungry. <laughs> hungry for that worm. <laughs> Hungry for that jaw stretcher special. <laughs> he craves the worm. Okay, so a couple wiki nitpickies. The farmer cared enough to call a sheriff, but either he took his time doing it or the sheriff was taking his own. Which is a little unfair, I think. We don't know how far the gang drove. We, we also, we don't, we don't know when the farmer found the vehicle. We don't know how far machine. away the sheriff station is. Like, look, look, guy, they might have tried their best. Also... Um, another slightly unfair, I think, criticism. Shaggy and Scooby jump outside through the window to get the key to unlock the door so that they can escape the room. A lot of contextless these there. If they had been make, if they'd been thinking clearly, they didn't need to go back inside as they had already escaped. That's the joke. That is the joke that it. You know what? That's less an inconsistency. No. I wanna, I wanna do, I wanna, I wanna edit a page, and and explain. Or, sorry, and quibble on every single joke. If you think about Shaggy it... Shaggy throws the peanuts up in the air to catch in his own mouth, but Scooby is the one who catches Scooby them in his mouth. must have done this for malicious reasons. Either, either Scooby had something personal to gain out of it, such as... A <laughs> so, here, I'll start with this for an outro. Um, I, I mentioned that our mutual friend Stuart and I played Dead by Daylight yesterday. He just sent me a text... Um, like just now? Less than half an hour ago while we were recording, saying, yo, thanks for playing last night. It was a lot of fun. Um, I want to blast him a little bit for, like, sending a morning after text to me after we just <laughs> gamed. <laughs> and we're close enough, I think I could, and he'd be fine with it. What do you think? Is that, like, I appreciate it. And as someone who's, like, really appreciates emotionally supportive kindness things from friends, I really love that he did that. But again, like, I think it's kind of funny. What do you think? I mean, I guess the question is, are you going to leave this in the episode or not? I am. This is going into, this is the beginning of the outro right here. Um, in, w in which case, he told me recently that he started listening to our podcast again. Ooh. So if you, if you leave it in, it <laughs> will get to him it. regardless. Well, I think I'm okay leaving it in because, Stuart, if you're listening, I think that was very sweet of you and I actually admire it a lot. I wish, 
I want to be the kind of person who does that to other people because I do appreciate it. Um, and also, I had a great la time last night. It was really good for me. I, I hope it was good for you, too. Yeah, I hope we do that again sometime. Which one of you woke up wearing the other one's t-shirt? Oh, I... <laughs> he sent me a t-shirt in the mail uh, weeks prior so that I would be able to put it on the it, morning after. It was after. just long enough to get to sort it of mid-thigh. just got above so you couldn't see my undies, except when I turn around and stretched above my head, and then, of course, it oh. climbs up, because that's... Ifty uh, Sam wasn't crazy about it. She says it's not a great look on a guy, as you know. Has, has she actually seen you do that? You know what? I don't... You, I have You done must that. have done that in I the I have bedroom. done that to her. I've done that because I have a really light... When I had a scooter in Las Vegas... Sorry about this outro, listeners, but I guess enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> when I had a scooter in Las Vegas, I got a long sleeve woman's shirt to wear <laughs> while I rode around. Why? Because it was way... Because it was so light and breathable. And in Vegas, it's crazy hot, but it's super... Uh, but it, the sun is really bright, so I didn't want to burn, but I did want to have something with some ventilation. And that was like a really airy, long shirt. It's also a little transparent. And so I would wear that with just the shirt and like pull it down past my midriff, my, my, my hips a little bit. And then like, you know, like be cutesy around the house. You would sashay around a little bit. I would sashay around, you know, like, especially like pulling the front of the shirt past my groin, you know, like pushing my arms together. You know exactly what I mean, right? I do. I, I remember you did it in high school. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Very funny. Um, it might not have aged super well. Empty Sam thinks it's really funny and unattractive, so I guess it, it works in our household. Funny and unattractive. She's always laughing at me and never making love, so I think it's a win. Just in that situation or just all the time? By which I mean never making love at me. She's laughing at me and never makes love at me. <laughs> I'm not making love at you. I'm making love with you. <laughs> I have to cut all of this? <laughs> It won't make sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll talk later, but you're cutting it. So I guess we'll see what editing room Luke does with that. Nothing. Oh, I love editing room Luke. Do you like it because it's like of the different voice? Like it's almost like a different person because I can't. Hey, I'm, this I is don't... editing room Luke. And... Hey, this is editing room Luke. I sound so bored and I don't try to. But it's like. Hey, this is editing room Luke. Uh, I've just been listening to my own voice for like the last hour and a half. You should just jazz it up. Hey, this is editing hey, room this Luke. This is editing room Luke. <laughs> oh, you're doing the same voice. What is that? Just like goofy clown, like a clown man. <laughs> I don't know. To me, that's like hateable. Oh, you know what? Here's who that is. That is the possum in a goofy movie. From the theme park, oh, they stopped that. Oh, no. You know where Max is like, my life is a living? Hello, little buddy. <laughs> Which is the funniest line of a great movie. As father-son movies go, that's the best. Isn't, isn't, uh, wasn't a goofy movie God of War 4 for, a, for an earlier generation? Yeah, it was. When I heard stuff about God of War 4, I'm like, Psh, I'm just going to watch a goofy movie. <laughs> <laughs> Kratos, goofy, same, same. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, it's like if you go to a restaurant and you're like, hey, can I get some Kratos? They'll be like, oh, is Goofy okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bad, but it's not that bad. Do you remember? No, works. Oh, we got to finish this up. But do you remember the Coke and Pepsi Wars? No. You might have not been in the country or in North America for those. You, you were probably in Thailand. I was in Canada for the Coke and Pepsi Wars. Huh. Yeah, I have no which idea this, what this is. Like, they were just, like, their ad campaigns were just, like, they were really after each other. It'd be, like, maybe a poster of, like, a Coke driver, 
drinking a Pepsi like in secret. Oh, dang. maybe stuff like that. It was like so pointed. And then they also did this thing where like I was at an amusement park and they would give you a cup of a tiny little plastic cup of Coke and a little tiny plastic cup of Pepsi. And if you cho- if you could identify them or differentiate the two, they'd give you a little prize. And I remember I got it wrong. Ooh, that doesn't feel like it would benefit either Coke or Pepsi to be like, hey, look how indistinguishable these things are. Yeah, I think I think they were hoping... Like, it's a challenge to figure out which one's which. I, I think now, not that I think my palate is more distinguished, and I don't drink caffeine, so I haven't had either in a really long time. I, I couldn't I like to think I could tell them apart. Uh, Pepsi, I believe, is sweeter. Has like a, a, Its sweetness is different than Coca-Cola. I, th- I think... I think we got to do the outro now, man. Do you want here? I'm, I'm out of delay tactics. Can I can I run through this? Yeah, do it. Uh, listen, listeners, go to facebook.com/scoobydudes, like our page, and tell us what you like more, Coke or Pepsi. Yeah, tell us if you think you could tell the difference. Go to twitter.com. We are at the Scooby Dudes. Follow us on Twitter. Send us a tweet and tell us who is your favorite planeteer. Shoot us an email at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know if you think Fred looks like a side of beef. Um, and uh, and we'll definitely respond to that. We love getting emails. Lastly, if you go to scoobydudes.com, well, not lastly, there's more stuff. But if you go to scoobydudes.com, uh, what you will see is new title card art for this episode. It's by someone named Flora. And you can follow Flora at jam-art.tumblr.com. Great title card. Really happy to be working with her. I am excited to see what other title cards she has in the future. But I think if you want to follow a really talented artist who has decided to partner with mm-hmm. us, please do that. You can choose no better. And uh, you're probably wondering, uh, what, do you pay this artist? Or are you asking for freebies from this artist? No, we pay our artist. We do pay our artist. Uh, why did I say no, we do pay when you asked? Yeah. What Listeners, what did you ask again? Ask me again. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you pay your artist? <laughs> do you do you have to make that face when you make that voice? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, dude, I do because I didn't mean to. <laughs> Listeners, if you think the voice was bad, I think the face might have been worse. Because <laughs> my voice isn't inherently stupid, but my face is. So when I do stupid on top of that... Um, but you know, listeners, we pay our artists. We pay them every time, and we do that with money we get on Patreon from our beloved donors. If you donate to us on Patreon, you'll not only support our title card art, you'll uh, get regular content in return for it. And Evan and I have just ratcheted up our game when it comes to doing this content, and I, I say it now on air and in front of Evan, I will have a jam session done by the end of this weekend. Uh, lastly, hey, hey, are you, on a, are you a sheep? Wait, sorry, no, really quick. Our patrons get something oh, right, else. Right. They get a shout-out. <laughs> Gordon was like leaning over his computer. Huh? 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 <laughs> he's he's about to press enter. He's written out the comment already. He just he just spun his fedora around backwards and locked in to uh, to get a comment going. Do I get a refund? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gordon. <laughs> I mean, you know I love you, man. Um, but no, we shout our patrons out every time. We give them a big shout out the first time and a shout out every single week since we don't have any new donors this week. Thank you. To these recurring people, we really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Lastly, uh, let me let me ask that question again. Are you a sheep? Not you, Luke. Our listeners. Are you sheep? Yeah, you sheep people. Bad, bad sheep. Are you are you lining up for the latest Apple product? Are you a slave to oh, yeah. to, to the ghost of Jobs? 
<laughs> I am a slave to the ghost of jobs. I do his bidding. I don't even know what the new guy's name is. Are, are you are you hankering for that Apple Watch? You're gonna shout eight hundred over dollars for a for a timepiece? You one of those? This has become heavily about Apple. I thought we were going sheep heavy at first. <laughs> Have we made a bet? Oh, we're iTunes. Let us be, let it be your shepherds. Let us let us corral you towards <laughs> iTunes, which you obviously use for it. Uh, I'm too mean. Am I too mean? I don't know. Should we be nice to iTunes now since we're asking them to leave us five stars? You know you know what would really rub it in the nose of the our Apple overlords would be to rate their most critical podcast five stars on their own platform. Yeah, you want to break out of your sheepledom? You're here at... Here is the church. Here is the sheeple. Um, open the doors. Leave us a five-star review, people. <laughs> that might be the dumbest thing I've ever said out there. <laughs> we, we are a podcast that's willing to throw some shade at Apple. You want to throw some shade at Apple? Like Luke said, throw use some stars iTunes. Our way. Yeah. Their platform. Give us five stars. If you want to, in your review, say something mean about Apple. And then Evan will read that live on air because he reads all of our five-star reviews live on air. And you know what? Hey, hey, our beautiful little lamb, our pure little uh, soft, lovable lamb, if you, if you, like us, love Apple and you think it's a great company, you know what? What better way to support them than to, uh, than to put some activity on their iTunes platform and give us a five-star review? So... I feel like we're we're good shepherd, bad shepherding them. We're good shepherding. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! But please do All leave right. us that five star. I'm review. not. Sorry, go ahead. I'm weirdly. Leave us that five star review. Hey, I'm just. It's on. weird that I'm. Ooh, you mother! You mother! Did you hear that? Say it again. Say it again for Evan. I love it when you do that. It's so it's hilarious. <laughs> you hear that? I think our listeners are probably of the same perspective. <laughs>